I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another amazing edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I've got to get a lot more words to describe this fantastic show before we even do the show, um, because it's always just puts us on the right path. Uh, I am Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports, and the band is back together after a week off. Jesse Granger is in Vegas. How are you, Jesse? Doing well. Hockey season is back. This is the best time of year. How are you, Rob? I'm doing good. And what about Russo? Mike Russo, in, you're at home, right, in Minnesota right now? Yep, yep, doing well. Hockey season is back, and Minnesota Wild fans need to be talked off a ledge. So that's <laughs> that's typical Wild season. Usually they wait to the first round for that, not three games into the season. You know, this is in every single sport. Baseball drives me even more nuts because there's 162 games, but seeing fans lose their minds a few games in, is one of those things you, you just want to smack them in the head and go, I understand that you're a fan. You have a right to be angry. You have a right to voice your opinion. But can we wait until at least a week into the season? I mean, Leaf fans were booing yeah. the Leafs yeah. this week. To, to Wild fans' defense, though, I'm not the one that usually is good enough to talk them off a ledge because I'm not exactly glass half full guy ever, even when <laughs> things are going well. And uh, right now, 
Uh, they have a major goaltending crisis, so I get why Wild fans are a little worried. Uh, we're going to hit everything today. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Who's off to a good start? Who's not? Some controversy as far as uh, replay goes. Um, a whole bunch of stuff. Also, in the second half of the show, uh, Trip Tracy is going to be joining us. Uh, not only to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes, obviously, but um, his his life over the last six months has been kind of played out online. Um, he's been going through some tough times, and it's I for one say it's great to see him on the other side now, back doing things. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, with him in the second half. So be sure uh, stick around, tune into that one. But let's get right into it, guys. We had uh, eight games last night. We got three games tonight. As we mentioned, it's not right into the season where most teams have played three or four games. Uh, but we've seen some pretty interesting things so far. Individually, I mean, our Tommy Panarin with 10 points in four games has just been, uh, you talk about getting off to a good start. Steven Stamkos, six goals in seven games. You got Carolina, Philly, Dallas, and Calgary still undefeated. Um, what's really jumped out to you guys? One weekend, one of the things that kind of made you say like, oh, wow, look at that. Jesse, we'll start with you. Yeah, for me, it's the Rangers. Um, I was one of the people that was kind of down on the Rangers going into this season, and I'm not going to overreact the other way and say, "Wow, they're three and one. This team, they're the best team in the East." But um, la- I mean, last year the Rangers weren't good. That, um, to me, that was not a good hockey team. They were like 25th in the league in basically every five on five stat you can come up with. They were just bailed out by the best goalie in the league all year long. Um, I expected a bit of a, a step back from Shesterkin, not in terms of how good he plays, but you're just not going to be able to sustain those numbers as a goalie. It's not like scientifically possible. So I figured, okay, a team that's below average, um, they're going to have a step back in their goalie. This team could miss the playoffs. Um, just the eye test, you mentioned Panarin has been phenomenal, but just the eye test, this team has been really, really strong. I mean, they, they obviously went on that run. Um, I thought that that was more of just some young kids going on a playoff run, having a really good month, not taking the step forward. And this is what they're going to be moving forward. So far, it's only been three, four games, but I do think that they look like a team that has taken that step forward. So um, to me, when I watch the NHL every night, that has been the the biggest standout to me is, wow, the Rangers are actually a legit contender. Like this team has looked very, very good through four games. What about you, Michael? Yeah, I um, totally agree with you. Um, I didn't think the Rangers were going to take a step back. And one reason why I absolutely love them right now is the fact that that kid line now looks like they are all scoring every single night. Heedle's been awesome. Capo Caco looks like he's taken an absolute monster step and same with Lafrenia. Um, then you have a the most well-balanced blue line, I think, in the NHL. I mean, you know, between grit, mobility, offense, everything that they could do, that entire blue line. Keandre Miller is going to be a star. Ryan Lindgren is tough as nails. Schneider on the third set is going to be a stud. And then you got the goalie. And then obviously one of the best top sixes in the league. I think if that kid line takes that step this year, they're going to be as good as it is in the East. Um, Boston has surprised me. I thought they were going to take a step back without Marchand and McAvoy. Clearly they're what three and one right now and, you know, not getting the greatest goaltending, but yet they're, they're right there. Uh, Detroit off to a great start under Derek Lalonde. Buffalo's look good. Dallas has looked good in the Western Conference. Uh, your Vegas Golden Knights, uh, three and one. Logan Thompson, one nothing shutout the other day. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of teams on the positive side of the ledger that have been uh, extremely positive, and then there's been unbelievably negative things. I'm mean, obviously Ottawa gets their first win last night, but Minnesota's been a huge, huge disappointment. Vancouver has blown four multi-goal games in a row. I mean, Vancouver and Minnesota, Bruce Boudreau and Dean Evison going mano a mano on Thursday night. Um, it is, uh, that is a lot of pressure on both those head coaches right now, especially Bruce Boudreau. And, uh, it'll be an interesting Canucks, uh, Minnesota wild game. Another team that's been on the negative side is, uh, Tampa Bay What one and three right now. 
A couple games into the season, I heard Vancouver fans asking for consistency. We need consistency. <laughs> well, out of they this are team. consistent. They are. They are getting exactly what they asked for. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. I've never seen a team blow more uh, multi goal leads more consistently than Vancouver has. You're right. You haven't. You know why? Because it's never happened in NHL history. <laughs> yeah. They're the first team to ever start four straight games to start a season blowing multi goal leads, and it's it's always you know we have coaches who are on the hot seat going into the season. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, and Bruce Boudreaux was definitely on that list. The the one quote that he had after one of their four blown loss uh, leads was, uh, "I think right now, mentally weak would be a good assessment." Yeah, that's four games on the, the coach. Then yeah. you know, like that's basically saying I'm not doing my job. I don't know how you don't automatically have him on your your power rankings of hot seat coaches right now. Yeah. Um. I, I, w- I would agree. I mean, again, you have a team first time in NHL history blown multi-goal games, multi-goal leads in four games in a row versus a wild team tomorrow night that's given up 20 goals in three games. That's the most in 32 years in the first three games of the season. This is going to be <laughs> this might be must see TV um, against two coaches that don't exactly love each other, by the way, that were on the same staff for many years in, in Washington and in, in Minnesota and um don't have a relationship at all anymore. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting one. Um, by the way, the common denominator between the lightning and the wild disappointing starts, Joe Smith. <laughs> I heard he also brought the cold weather. Uh, I saw Joe yeah. joking on Twitter that he's like the White Walker from Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, I was every- laughing out loud in yeah. my house reading that, cackling reading that <laughs> comment. Yeah. Every, every, time, every time Joe walks in from walking his dog and says, oh my God, it's so cold out. I said, well, hey, welcome to Minnesota. This is, uh, is going to be a warm front come like March. I say we just blame Joe for any bad thing that happens in our life. What do you think? Wild <laughs> fans are blaming Joe for everything. <laughs> we might as well as well. And you know what? Just, just along the lines though, that the Vancouver blown leads, I know it's early, but we've seen a lot of it. I mean, last night we saw six games with multi- goal leads blown regardless of the winner some of them ended up winning anyway um i've always been a fan of, of that sort of thing i mean I, yeah. I hearken back to the old days where you know in the dead puck era when a team would go up two nothing in the second period and you're like well lockdown this game's yep. over i love the fact that a team could come back at any point it's just bad hockey i mean it's this it's early in the season these teams haven't they they haven't structured their defense the way they want to. It's it's a mess. It's fun. Oh, you're such it's a absolutely goalie. fun to watch. You're such it's a fun goalie. to watch. But it's bad hockey. I mean, this this isn't a case of like amazing offensive performances. Like as much as it is, just these teams are a wreck in their own end right now, and they can't lock it down. They want they get a two goal lead. They say, all right, let's pack it in and lock it down. But they don't know what they're doing. It's it's been bad hockey. Yeah, Jesse. To Rob's point. Um, you should have covered the league in the nineties and the early two thousands when, if you went up one, nothing pretty much, I mean, what was, I mean, it used to be Rob, like something like 78% of the games, the yeah. team that scored first, uh, one, it felt that way. At least, at least the Ugh. teams that I covered, I mean, if Florida or Minnesota in those early years of me covering them went up one, nothing, adios, you know, in the Jacques Lemaire and, and I was going to uh, say, uh, thanks Jacques Lemaire. Jacques Lemaire was the yeah. reason for all of that, but. Uh, yeah, it's fun now whether Jesse likes it or not because he's got a goalie mentality. I like seeing I love seeing a team go up three nothing and suddenly it's three three. It's uh it's a lot of fun. Uh and it, it may be the first week of the season, but we've already seen a little bit of controversy, guys. Uh and it came in one of those weird games, Leafs Coyotes, and the Coyotes were up three two in Toronto, which is that alone could be something we can talk about. But they appear to tie the game in the last minute. Um and they score, but then it gets called back and it was reviewed not by a coach's challenge. It was the final minute of play. Coaches can't do a challenge. It's up to the situation room. 
And basically it was ruled that there should have been a stoppage of play because Morgan Riley glove, uh, gloved the puck to a teammate. Uh, Sean Gentile spoke to Dave Jackson, law of time referee. And, and if you didn't read that piece, go to the athletic read. It. It's fantastic. They break it down. Um, but I'm wondering how much you guys like the non coaches challenge in the last minute. The fact that anything in the last minute is reviewed. Um, especially with something like this, because people are still slowing this thing down, trying to break down whether his glove actually hit it or was it Keller's stick, should it have mm-hmm. been reviewed. Um, what do you guys think of this rule? Bruce, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm for it just because of the lack of, you know, the fact that you need a timeout. And if there's no timeout left, you know, should be you be penalized in that last minute? You know, I, I think you see in NFL and in places like that, all scoring plays are reviewed. That happens in the league, in this league too, but just for certain things, um, you know, just actually good goals, not not good goals, but not going back and something like this. So I actually look. This is the rule now. Um, I've covered I covered playoff series, uh, the twenty fourteen series against um, Colorado, where where uh, where winning goals by the Avalanche were scored two games in a row in the last minute uh, by them being offside, and um, and the Wild, you know, back then pretty much got screwed. And so then the offside challenge came in, and I'm I'm all for that. Um, you know, this is just the rule that it is now in the last minute that you have to do this. Um, now you can break down this play in particular and whether or not it's chintzy and whether or not it's exact that they got it exactly right. But in terms of the the league taking the last minute and overtime reviewing things, um, if that's the rule, I'm for it. The reason I like it so much, um, I, I'm a big fan of having the, the last minute reviewed. One, you just want to get everything right in that last minute, mm-hmm. like like Mike said, whether it's got, they got a timeout or not. But for me, it's the the fact that if a coach challenges it and gets it wrong, it's a penalty. It's a, it's a minor penalty. You've got a two minute power play. You've got to kill. Um, there are so many judgment calls in this league, like goalie interference. We we love to joke like it's a it's a roulette wheel. They spin it and we'll see where it lands. Who the hell knows what's going to happen on this call. For those kind of calls, I would like to see them just be reviewed and that a, a coach doesn't have to risk his team going on the penalty kill for overtime or or for the last minute, if it, whatever it is, um, because they had to challenge it. Whereas this way, it just takes that out of it. We're going to review everything. The coach isn't going to get the, this team isn't going to have to kill a penalty for the first two minutes of overtime because of a crazy goalie interference call that none of us can figure out. I, I like the league just doing it on everything in the last minute and, and coaches not having to risk that have to weigh that risk reward um, on plays that like, like an an offside, if you're wrong, you're wrong, but the goalie interference, there are other things that are, that are definitely subjective. So um, I, I like the, the last minute review. Yeah. And that was brought up in Chantilly's piece with Dave Jackson. You know, they talked about, you know, an offside's an offside, but like you said, with goalie interference, sometimes you could show a hundred people the same goalie interference call and 50 of them will say, absolutely. And 50 of them will say, no, that's a good goal. So, um, and, Forgive me, I forget who was refing that game, but who made the announcement? He said uh, the Kelly decision Sutherland. from the yeah Southern. That's right um, from the, the the situation room, <laughs> and uh, you know you could tell he was like, "Please, for the love of God, don't kill me for making this call." I thought it was a good goal. Yeah. You know, it, it was that was a to referee. Yeah. <laughs> that was a referee that was walking back to his hotel like all those refs do in Toronto, <laughs> and he was like, "You know, don't don't blame me. You can go next door to the uh, situation room that's actually attached to your building and blame them." But I wonder too, because uh, honestly, honestly, you know what what's been the most in style thing over the last five to ten years in the NHL, shitting on refs, right? Yeah. People, referees have had a real tough time over the last five or ten years. Some people say rightfully so, some people don't. But at least this, the most important decision of the game, like we said in the last minute, 
he could say, wasn't me. It was them. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, and I'm sometimes, I'm definitely uh, oftentimes guilty of ripping on the refs. And I actually like, uh, you know, I respect all these guys, um, you know, and, and the one thing as sports writers is you actually grow, you develop relationships with a lot of these guys because we stay pretty much at the same hotels, you know, the brand. Uh, we see each other in the concierge lounge. I mean, there's not a referee in the league that I don't know and know well. And um, and this was one where clearly the situation room took control of the situation and, and, and called it back. And Kelly wanted to make sure that everybody in that <laughs> Air Canada Center or whatever it's called now up there, you guys change uh, right, naming rights at Scotia Arena. Scotiabank like, Arena. Yeah. They, one, they changed the rights, but there are only three brands, and they just rotate. I know, I know they just <laughs> Rogers. They're all the same. Um, you know, the other thing on a totally uh, similar subject, but different. The, the you know more so on the other side. Let's go to now to the Department of Player Safety. Who same thing. I've sat in with them four or five different times, including uh, this past season um, in New York City at their incredible new facilities. And George Peros came in to actually sit with me during that. Um, and I love Damien and all these guys, but man, I do not like the Kuznetsov play. I mean, this guy literally took a baseball bat swing to Kyle Burrow's face and he gets one game. I just don't understand the justification in that. Um, and, uh, you know, that's one where to me, you know, like it, it's just, I don't know. It's unfathomable that they came to that decision, in my opinion. It's the hardest thing in the world to judge. You know what I mean? Like I, I saw the play and I'm thinking if he doesn't get three games, I don't know what the hell's going on. And I'm with you. So like that to me was, you know, and his contention that, well, I didn't mean to hit him in the face to hit him that high. Well, you did. And you did it not yeah. because on a follow through yeah. or not because you didn't see him because you were swinging your stick like a yeah. baseball bat. I yeah. don't give a shit and if you meant to or not. Exactly. And to me, the, the, the other thing is, is that, you know, it's still yeah, whether you not you baseball swinged him in the neck or the, uh, the high chest, if that's what you were aiming for, it's still technically a high stick. It doesn't have to be in the face. And um, it was a vicious, vicious play by a, a guy that's lost his temper that's done it before. He, he's he's he loses it on the ice sometimes with uh, stick work. I've seen it a million times. And I just don't understand in that situation how you could as a department of player safety. Um, you know, see a somebody use a stick as a weapon in a guy's face. I mean, you know, what if that was tragic? Um, you know, it it just that one just doesn't make sense to me. I don't care what his intention was if he meant to put him in. You know, uh, what he was doing. It was not a battle. It was it was right. a retaliatory uh, vicious play. The 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 rule is you're responsible for your stick, and yeah. if and if and if you can get a four minute high sticking penalty just from trying to stick lift and missing the guy's stick and accidentally yeah. hitting him in the face that can be ruled. You know what? We, you, we know you weren't trying to hit him in the face, but yep. you were trying to stick lift him. You missed it. It's your fault. You, you're responsible for your stick. So if that's a, if you can take that reasoning, I don't understand how you can get to, well, he wasn't trying to baseball swing him in the face. He was trying to baseball swing him in the high chest. So like, that's bullshit. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, if, if you can get in trouble for trying to make a hockey play and accidentally hitting someone in the face, yeah. then you using your stick as a weapon and accidentally hitting him in the face yeah. is, I totally agree. One game yeah. is ridiculous for that. And, um, I, and, I, and it doesn't deter it enough. Like yeah. that is like the most dangerous thing that can happen on the ice. And yeah. him getting one game to me doesn't send the right message to other players who, who could lose their temper later. Like, I you just know, don't like it. And, and again, the one thing I want to interject is that I have, I have sat in with these guys a lot. Um, and I'm telling you, they try to get it right. There's no bias against teams. I, I mean, I, I've, I've been in there at least five or six times. Um, this one, I think they got wrong. You know, this one, I don't get, um, if the, if Kyle Burroughs played for a player on, you know, played for Minnesota, I'd probably be writing a story about it today that they got it wrong. 
Um, you know, that's just, it just, I, I don't get this one, but I will say I'm one of those sports writers that I know it's, it's so appropriate for fans and sports writers to rip on that department a lot. I think they try to do a good job, but this one just makes no sense to me. And I, as you just said, you know, to me, you just made the perfect point. If you can get a, essentially a more excessive penalty for an accidental play that just happens to, you know, get a little blood on the guy's lip. Um, you know, this one was a vicious, intentional act of violence. And uh, to get only get one game, it makes no sense to me. But I've always I've always been a big believer that intent should should come more into play. And we don't yeah. we don't see that. Right. You know, the, the other thing that always bothers me, and I know it is a rule, but <clears throat> you hear it all the time in their explanations. Well, he was not injured on the play. So what? You know, if there's a vicious play with with really yeah. bad intent and the guy doesn't get hurt, we should just count our, ourselves lucky that so-and-so didn't break his neck, but the guy still deserves a penalty. Then you have other times yeah. where, well, he's he's been injured, so we have to take that into account. I think when the intent is there and, and Kuznetsov's intent was there. It was a yeah. vicious slash. So, so yeah. his so he didn't lose an eye. Thank God. You know what I mean? But he could have. And that's that is the exact point here is that, you know, he gets one game, but, you know, if it was a Steve Moore uh, um, outcome, if it was a yeah. Brian Berard type outcome, if it was, God forbid, he's on the ice convulsing type outcome, this, you know, Kuznetsov's probably not playing again. And, um, you know, to then just because he walked away, um, you know, you know, making sure that his jaw felt OK, uh, just to give him only one game is just insane to me. Here, here. Uh, before we go to break, guys, let's talk a little cash. We've been talking about the salary cap a lot over the last couple of weeks. We That report came out that the salary cap was going to be on the rise. Um, those reports had the cap next season at $83.5 million. But the Board of Governors meetings were uh, going on, and the league announced that the escrow debt by the NHL players um, could almost even on, when I'm looking at my notes, I have could underline because it's not 100%, but could be repaid in full by the end of the season. And if that were to happen, we could see the cap rise by at least $4 million for next season. You think uh, a lot of teams have their fingers crossed with the, the, this news kind of coming out? Jesse, we'll start with you. Yeah, if you're if you're real quiet, you can actually hear Bill Foley cheering right now. I'm, I live about a block away from City National <laughs> Arena. Um, I, I actually have a one on one with Bill right after this podcast, and I think I thought I can you were going to say that you live a block away from Bill Foley, which I was going to be really <laughs> impressed with. Yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely do not. Yeah, it would it, it would have to be on the other side of the fence from that neighborhood if I yeah. if I live that close. Um, <laughs> the no, but. Yeah, I mean, there are tons of teams out there that are absolutely pumped if this happens. Uh, the Golden Knights being probably the number one team. We know this team likes to press against the cap. They are already, I think they have, I think they're they're more than 10 million over the cap right now. If you count their LTIR guys, uh, Robin Leonard is expected to be back next year. That's $5 million that they don't have. Um, so yeah, the Golden Knights are, are absolutely hoping this happens. Uh, a lot of teams around the league, we've talked about it. feels like half the league is in, is in cap trouble right now. Um, it's good news for the league. It's good news for the off season is more fun when the good teams have money to spend. It's these last couple off seasons. It's felt like you look at where all these big name players have landed. They aren't with the contenders for the most part because the contenders are Tampa Bay has been selling pieces off for three years now because there just isn't any money. Um, I think the league, the, the cap going up makes the league more fun in the summer. Yeah. Guys like match Sharetti won't be traded for free. Um, you know, right. things like that. I'm on a hand. Um, um, 
By the way, Jesse lives in the uh, block away from City National. He actually lives in the penthouse of the Red Rocks Hotel, which is very impressive. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, <laughs> hey, um, <clears throat> I bet you Bill Guerin would have loved to know this about two months ago, though. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, all year long he prepared to trade Fiala because he's like, I can't, uh, I can't afford him. And I'm sure if he knew that he'd get a four million dollar window potentially next year, that might have changed some some things inside. Uh, you know. Uh, Washington uh, headquarters here in Minnesota. Um, but yeah, I agree with Jesse. I mean, this has been, uh, you know, uh, and, and also the other thing, you know, the one thing I will say is I, I, I'm going to contradict my, what was about to go through my thought. Um, my, my head right now is that I was going to say, you know, you feel bad for the Sam Steeles, the Phil Kessels, the Sonny Milano's, all these players that have had to wait to the end to get their money and they're getting cheap deals. Uh, you know, I actually don't think that that this will change anything for those type of players. I always say the top guys still get their money and that's where that extra 4 million is going to go. Um, it's going to make things a little easier for teams, but it's not going to affect the middleman or the lower, lower salaried guys. It just never does. I've had this conversation with you guys on here before about debates that I've had with players all the time about the salary cap era. And it's like, you know, I don't care what, if you have a cap or a no cap, the big guys are still getting their money and the, the small guys are still getting squeezed. And I don't think that'll probably change too much. Uh, and just for some of our listeners, in case you missed Gary Bettman uh, yesterday, his availability with the media, uh, I can sum it up with this. Business is good. And he wasn't trying to hide it at all. And that's why they're in this position looking to uh, rebound after you know, the pandemic type period where a lot of money was just evaporating. Uh, stick around after the break. We're going to speak to Trip Tracy. So don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, the Hurricanes are off to a 3-0 and start to the season. That has to have Canes fans uh, extremely happy. And something else that probably has them extremely happy is our next guest back with a microphone on the broadcast. Trip Tracy joining us on the Athletic Wednesday Roundtable Show. Thanks so much for doing this, Trip. Hey, Rob. It's, uh, it's great to be with you um, and uh, Michael, Jesse. Love your show. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming on and, th- and thanks for loving that show. I keep saying that we do these fantastic shows. It's nice to hear somebody actually say it to us uh, on the show. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of hockey, obviously, Trip. but uh want to start with you. The hockey world heard about your struggles. You've been very open about it online. Uh, you know, the last six months obviously has seen some ups and downs. Like I said, it's great to have you back uh, doing Kane's games. But uh, I guess long question. Let's make it really short. How are you doing? Uh, in a word, grateful. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was given a, a gift, uh, a gift of uh, surrender and acceptance. 
in New York City in late April. I needed to be smashed down to recognize uh, that I have a disease. And um, that was a gift. Uh, I did not know at the time I was prepared to accept that I'm an alcoholic, uh, whether I lost my job or not. And the gratitude uh, through the roof to the moon and back, the amazing support I've received from the Carolina Hurricanes, huge Kaniac fans, the great National Hockey League uh, people in so many capacities. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a simple solution if you're willing to do the work a day at a time. And I was prepared with that gift of, of surrender being beaten down. Um, and uh, I try to open that trap door and remember it every day. I did a podcast about it on, on, on my digging in platform. I, I tried to be as honest as I possibly could because uh, alcoholism and addiction touches virtually everybody, whether it be personally, family members, friends they know. And uh, it, I, I didn't know if I'd do it or not, but uh, an opportunity to help others because virtually everybody can identify with it. But uh, that's in the rearview mirror. I, I know what I have to do to maintain that on a daily basis. And uh, now I'm back and so fortunate to be with the way the Hurricanes have stood behind me, Valley Sports, uh, to be calling hockey games and talking to you guys from Edmonton as the Hurricanes are off to a, a super start. And getting us, getting us out on the siren as well must have been a good way to kick off the season. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, man, uh, when the Hurricanes asked me to, on the siren opening night. What an honor, the 25th season in Carolina. Uh, and then the reaction from the fans, I guess there's no way I could ever properly quantify what it meant to me in words last week. Uh, I, the best way that I could reflect upon the Hurricanes asking me to do it and the reaction is just to say, I'll, I'll simply never forget it. Yeah, Trip. Um, you know, I have a ton of questions, and uh, you and I have known each other a long, long time. But you know, one thing that I was impressed with right away is, is look, you're, you know, you obviously you had this incident in New York City, but if you don't say to yourself, "I'm going to accept that I have a problem and go take care of it," nothing's going to get better. And and I know right away you went right into going back into ninety meetings in ninety days. I know still to this more this day, you're getting up every single morning for. For meetings, you're getting a dog. I hear. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it just it feels like you have absolutely committed to to sobriety. Michael, I was. Uh, that's what I mentioned. I was given the gift of acceptance and surrender. I fought it for so long. I mean, at one point, I had five and a half years sobriety. I was insecure in a relationship, and I thought I'd be more James Bond esque and charming um, with the ability to to have a drink and. I didn't place my sobriety first and, you know, I'm just so darn grateful and blessed to be back where I'm at seven years later, uh, when I gave away those five and a half years and, uh, Don Waddell, I, I mean, I can't tell you the only way that I can repay his, his loyalty in me, the compassion right from the get go. When I first got back from New York, uh, putting his arm around me is to, you know, do the necessary things that not only I need to do, but want to do uh, a day at a time. And just some of the opportunities that I've had, Michael, and, you know, I'm coming up uh, on six months here, October 27th. So I'm in early sobriety and I've, I fortunately built my early sobriety brick by brick. I canceled all, all my plans this summer. 
that was the right thing to do. It's a day at a time gig, but I've had some private opportunities in, in the hockey world and outside of it to be of, of service here, even in you know less than half of a year. It's, it's, I'm just so darn happy and, and grateful that I don't have to, to fight it because I fought it so hard and it's the only thing I can think of. You got you have to surrender to win. And, uh, and that's why I keep pointing back to that night in that New York City hotel room uh, that I was a distraction the night the Hurricanes uh, clinched the Metropolitan Division. But I was given a moment of clarity that uh, this not only wasn't working for me, but it stopped working a long time ago. And I just I'm astounded by the support uh, once again. And and, you know, I was in the booth in, in uh, Seattle on a Monday night in the pregame show and the lights, I mean, for the TV there, they were so bright. I felt like I needed some SPF. So I couldn't see beyond the lights and the blues are playing there as we tape this tonight. And a guy came from behind the lights that was there early to scout the game, just to put his arm around me and tell me how happy he was to see me back. It was Doug Armstrong. Um, the game of hockey is great uh, because of the people in it. I'm so fortunate. Um, I just finished riding the bike with my dear friend, Rod Brindamore. Uh, who dug in for me to the ends of the earth, just like the Hurricanes have and the fans have. So gratitude uh, with a capital G. And the good news is, is that I know precisely what I have to do to be teachable a day at a time and, and follow the guidance of those that have been able to achieve long-term sobriety better than me. Well, you know what? I think we should transition into some hockey because this is what people listen to you for. It's great to have you back in the booth. So let's get right to it, Trip. Um, 3 0, obviously, is, is the start you're looking for. And I don't mean to diminish it, but those wins came against Columbus, San Jose, and Seattle. You mentioned you're in Edmonton. Um, how much are these two games in Alberta coming up going to tell us about this Carolina team? Rob, they, they have found the first two games, they, they found a way. Uh, they gave up the first goal in both games to Columbus and San Jose, and they had belief in their game. They got very timely goaltending from Frederick Anderson in game one, and then Antti Ranta in San Jose. And then they played their most complete game in Seattle, and they were terrific. Some ter some really good individual stories have, have been a, an outstanding start and a bounce back year for Martin Natchez, who played his first game here uh, a few years ago in Edmonton. Andrei Svechnikov, I think privately wants to show the hockey world I, I'm a I'm a superstar, and he he's had a rip roaring start, touching virtually every facet of the game. And then yes, Barry Kokaniemi, a, a, a big time role with the departure of Vincent Trocheck. That line has been very good. That yes, Barry centers. Aho was a, a a star like he most often is in Seattle. So bringing that into the Edmonton Oilers, who are coming off a, a tough loss last night to Buffalo. Uh, they've had some slow starts. The team won't have trouble, Rob, getting up for it. Historically, it's pretty remarkable if, if you guys, as uh, well-researched as, as you guys always are, if you look at Sebastian Ajo's numbers against Connor McDavid, of course, Ajo in the, the second round of that 2015 draft, Sebastian is so humble, so humble when he lets his play do the talking, but he has repeatedly risen to the challenge against Connor McDavid. He's outperformed him. In the games they've played, uh, and you know you have to worry about, of course, Leon Dreisaitl too. But Aho has been fabulous in the games against Edmonton. You look at it, Carolina the last couple of years has gotten better goaltending in the games against the Oilers, 
And then Jacob Slavin and Pesci, because they've been here the longest and in the last couple of years, Brady Shea. And now I get the first look at Brent Burns in the top four against Edmonton. Uh, the Hurricanes have a group of defensemen that I, I think, especially the top four, that they can match any in the league, but they can skate. Uh, so I think they're well suited uh, to, to be able to, to battle with the weaponry of Edmonton. But uh, it's going to be a, a gauntlet uh, here in Edmonton and then Saturday in Calgary. Uh, the Hurricanes were able to win both games here in Alberta last year. If they're able to do that again and go to 5-0, and uh, take it one game at a time, they'll really be on to something. But they are coming off their, without question, most complete game in three in Seattle Monday. Trip. I, I don't know you as well as Michael does, but uh, I, I admire your analysis and you're a goalie. So um, I'm always I'm always uh, appreciating the goalie's perspective. Rob will be shocked that I'm going to ask you a goalie question. Um, you never this, do that. I feel like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I rarely go down that road. Um, th- to me, I've I've watched Freddie Anderson. You you mentioned the early goals against, but they've really bounced back. I mean, his stats are stellar. Obviously, the competition ha- factors into that. This Hurricanes team has been good for quite some time, and I feel like they haven't had bad goaltending, but they haven't had the elite goaltending in the playoffs. And to me, that's kind of what's held them back. How impressed have you been with Freddie Anderson? And do you think, I know, I know he was hurt last year, but do you think if healthy, he's the guy to to really put this team over the top in the playoffs? So Jesse, I, I first of all, if he's healthy, in my view, his regular season has proven to be, and certainly was in Carolina, going to hover somewhere between very good and elite. I mean, before he got hurt in Colorado uh, in March of last year uh, or early April, I mean, he, I don't think he was getting enough attention for the Vesna trophy, his numbers period. I think some of it had hurt that Carolina has uh, such a good team that the people don't point to the goaltending, but not only were Freddie's numbers sparkling, I think he had beaten Vasilevsky twice head-to-head. In Alberta, he had beaten uh, Jacob Markstrom. He beat Shosturkin twice, I believe, or certainly w- at least once on the road at Madison Square Garden. So, I mean, he, he had done everything that you could ask of him uh, to be a true Vesna candidate. He's back healthy. I know that missing almost six months, it surprised him in the preseason how good he felt immediately. Uh, in the third period, in particular, in Seattle, uh, Monday night, I thought his movement was outstanding. It was economical. It was less is more. Um, yeah, everybody talks about his calmness, but simultaneously, this is a an ultra intense guy. Um, so you look at you look at Freddie and Ronta, who came on in the second half of the year and was just super, uh, and then until the last home game against the Rangers, which of course everybody remembers, he rose to the challenge against Boston at home and the Rangers at home had some trouble on the road, but Auntie Ranta just got more and more comfortable as the year went along. So when healthy, I think you have an elite tandem. Then you also have a guy that I have full trust in and Pyotr Kochetkov uh, in the American Hockey League, if you were to run into injuries. With all that being said, Jesse, Many months from now, hopefully, if the Hurricanes have qualified for the playoffs for a fifth consecutive year, the conversation is going to be had. A, hopefully Freddie's healthy. B, can he carry that into the postseason? I'm going to tell you this. Physically, he has the tools, and I can't remember a guy in a long time. I mean, we're in the town. We're an Edmonton native. Cam Ward uh, beat the, the Edmonton Oilers in Game 7 won the Conn Smythe his, his rookie year. 
You know, the Hurricanes have had some fine goaltenders over the years, uh, but I don't remember a time that they've had a guy, if healthy, if ready to grab the moment, if ready to crash through the playoff door, that is suited to provide that elite mono mono goaltending that you need to win a playoff series and win 16 times uh, to go deep. Um, I'm right now just focusing on the regular season. And then my hope will be that if healthy, Freddie grabs the moment and just plays the way he has in regular seasons. I know Don Waddell is good friends with Bill Guerin. Maybe he could spare one of those goalies uh, and and send them this way because the Wild sure need it. Um, <laughs> Trip, let me ask you um, about somebody I know really well, and that's Brent Burns. You know, Brent always fascinates me. I mean, he's he, you know, it's funny. The first time I ever sat down with him in 2006, it was right around the corner here at a place called Sushi Tango, and he had one tattoo on him that was a in honor of his his grandfather, and he had another tattoo on his back that was a Minnesota Wild tattoo. And I'm like, I'm like. What if you're ever traded? And it was like dawned on him, like, wait, what? I'm not going to spend my entire career potentially here. And now he's on his third team. Um, he's he fascinates me because as you look at him, he's somebody that seems to crave attention, but yet when you talk to him, he actually wants nothing to do with the attention, at least from the media. Um, and yet he goes back to San Jose the other day. It's a beautiful homecoming for him. And he goes now to Carolina being willing to go there, wave his no trade. And it just seems like he could be a player that could really, really fit in uh, with the Hurricanes. Bruce, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed my brief snippet of getting to know Brent Burns. I, I just always admired his play, of course, probably the pioneer of getting pucks to the net quickly with velocity. He's the George Washington of that, probably that development <laughs> recently over the last many years in the game. I mean, I knew about the outdoorsy nature to, to Brent. I had no idea that he was as curious as he is and that he knows the league as well as he does. I mean, I, I could think about it years ago when I did a playoff series with John Forslund. And really, Michael, when I first got to know you, because it was Minnesota against Colorado. And, you know, Western Conference teams, and I was doing my homework to try to prepare for that series. And, I mean, a lot of great players don't know the rosters that well, you know, throughout the National Hockey League. I mean, it's no big deal, but I think it's, you know, yesteryear, everybody did. Brent Burns knows the rosters inside and out. And I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed that here you have an ultra-fit professional in his late 30s. I mean, ultra-fit. But simultaneously, in all the right ways, you have like a reenaction of the movie Big with Tom Hanks that you have (laughs) a genuine grown-up kid. So you have that professional maturity, yet that authenticity that I just watch bring positive energy to every practice. Kids, when they're in the building, I mean, it's real when Brent is talking to them. So it's a perfect mix. Uh, When he... Speaking of Minnesota, when he first, when Don pulled off the trade uh, with Mike Greer, Brian Ralston, I played with virtually my entire youth career. So I reached out to Raleigh. Raleigh loves Brent Burns. Yep. And then Sean Hill was on the team when I had my cup of coffee in the NHL. He said it best. He said, Rusi goes, don't let the costume fool you. Yeah. And, and I thought Sean Hill, who played with Brent, uh, early in his uh, Minnesota career and was amazed more than anything about his curiosity for the game. 
uh, and wanting to be teachable and wanting to acquire information, I thought, don't let the costume fool you was really well said by Sean Hill. Yeah. So Trip, you know, that was one off season acquisition and, you know, fans are always looking at what pieces are missing and more times than not, they focus on the big pieces like the Brent Burns. I look at someone like Paul Stastny. I mean, I know it's never going to be front page news signing a 36 year old to one year deal, but with someone like him, that that's the type of piece of missing piece that a lot of teams need to make those deep playoff runs. When, when they made that signing, I said to a friend of mine, I could see Paul Stastny scoring a double overtime goal in the third round of the playoffs in game two that, you know, is, is such a huge win and a momentum changer. He's that type of guy, isn't he? Yeah. But a couple of really cool things jump out to me, Rob. First of all, uh, you know, because I'm in Edmonton, and I, I, of course, remember the Stanley Cup year 2005-2006 in Carolina. And the Hurricanes, which I thought was a major asset, had a bunch of guys that had gotten close but hadn't won. Whether it be the captain, Rod Brindamore, I think Glenn Wesley had played the most playoff games without winning a cup at that time. Brad Hedekin, Ray Whitney, Doug Waite, uh, the list goes on and on. So now they have some guys, some veteran guys that have been really close but haven't won, which I think is fabulous. Uh, Paul Stastny's one of those guys. Uh, he, I mean, his hockey IQ has obviously always been through the roof. Uh, egoless. I, I mentioned how meaningful it was to me on Monday night in Seattle that Doug Armstrong uh, stopped by the booth to tell me how happy he was that I was back. I ran into Doug at the gym in Seattle the next morning before we left. And he said to me, Hey, Trip, make sure you say hello to Stas. Uh, I wanted him. <laughs> and I mean, here's a guy that always puts the team first, uh, a true pro. I I usually get over to practice, whether it be at home or on the road quite early. He's always over there a couple hours before practice. So far, he's played on the wing with Jordan Stahl uh, and with Jesper Faust. And I, I know you guys just had uh, the great Nino Niederreiter on in Nino's spot. Will he stay there? I thought that line had their best game in building something last game in Seattle be great to see him build upon that, even though you don't have last change on the road to see, you know, how they'd factor uh, against uh, whether it be McDavid or Dreisaitl. But Paul, I would certainly assume the more he gets comfortable, whether it be wing, whether it be center, his value is just going to go like this, but just a great person. Um, his hands, his hockey mind. Uh, if he, if he stays on that wing and it's a, it's a fluid situation. And then you got Max Pacioretty coming back at some point too, but that's down the road. If he stays on the wing. It's a bit of a different look for that line that was so good last year. Nino Niederreiter, size, hard to play against, A to B hockey. Paul Stastny's, a, you know, he, he, he's a playmaker. He, you know, guys like Jordan Stahl and Jesper Foss, the ability to, to, to be ready to, to, to play a game of give and go. Um, but uh, it's been a pleasure after calling his games uh, throughout his career uh, to call his games as a Carolina Hurricane so far, and I would just certainly assume he'll just get better and better. And we will wait and see, and I think, as I said earlier, this, uh, this two-game trip through Alberta is going to tell us a lot about this team and some of those new acquisitions. Uh, trip Tracy, one of the bravest guys you will ever meet for so many reasons, if for anything, 
because he actually goes to the gym with Rod Brindamore, which <laughs> that, that, by, by the way, that, that is a tough that gym one. at the. That gym at the hotel that Trip is staying at is like the nicest gym in the NHL. So uh, it is insane down there. Um, I would go nowhere so, near Rod Brindamore at the gym, though. I don't care how nice the gym is; like that guy well, out work anyone. Well, he <laughs> he, we just happened to get off at the elevator at the same time, and <laughs> you know I've known him for a long, long time. He'll carve me; I'll carve him. And, uh, you know, I was playing my tunes and he said, will you please just get some headphones on? And then the bike, <laughs> then the bike, but the bike between us, I was getting, we had, I had a bike between us, just a little time and space, but my bike wasn't working. So I had to, you know, I had to move right next to RB and, um, he's just, a, he, he is everything that is the Carolina hurricanes. Thank you for having me guys. I'll tell you, we're, we're playing. The Hurricanes are playing in Calgary on Saturday night and then off day Sunday in Vancouver. And I'm going to fly with Rod. It's going to be my first trip to Campbell River uh, to see his mom, wow. his mom, Linda, and his dad, Bob, who has, I mean, Bob Brindamore has one of the great personalities of all time. And so I'll finally get to, to see where Rod the Bod is from in Campbell River and hopefully go to that waterfall where he, right after the cup, where he, shirtless with Mike Commodore uh, took a picture with the cup, like trying to look like they weren't posing, but posing uh, <laughs> uh, uh, underneath, underneath a waterfall in Campbell river. So he's, I am so blessed to call Rod one of my closest friends and my gosh, what an exceptional coach. Hey, Tripp, I don't know if you're a great writer. I assume you are because you're the Ivy League man. But, uh, you know, I'm, the first thing that you that I thought of when you said this is like, we need to dive into the athletic uh, freelance budget and hire you to write a story on this experience that you have coming up, because this would be a story that I think everybody would want to read. Well, I've, Rose, I, I am not. I, I've been told <laughs> I'm an okay writer. Um, my, my roommate at Harvard was... Uh, was now uh, Buffalo associate general manager, Jason Carmanis, and he is brilliant. <laughs> and I just tried to yeah. go into his room and, and we were both history majors and try to lean on him. But uh, I will t keep you fully abreast. I, I can't wait. I remember the first, I remember the first dad's trip with Bob Brindamore and he was instantaneously called the mayor. Um, he had a, he had a significant stroke several years ago. He is, uh, and his, his mom, Linda, who is extremely academic and just an exceptional woman. They're like family to me. And, uh, Rod's one of those people that, um, he's there for his friends, uh, loyally and unconditionally. And it's, it's interesting because the night before things started for me in New York city in April, I had dinner with Rod and two of his kids and we were talking and, and one of his kids who they live in New York and one of his kids said, you know, do the guys ever go out on the road? And Rod goes, well, I don't know. You know, he said, I just have one simple rule. If you throw the ball over the fence, you got to go get it. And I, little did I know that, uh, uh, the next couple of days I, I'd hurl the ball over the fence. And yeah. thanks to, thanks to extraordinary lifelong friends like, Rod, you mentioned Don uh, Waddell and his uh, relationship with Bill Guerin. I've been given the opportunity to, to, to walk towards over the fence to grab the ball. There just isn't a better person on the planet, and I can't wait to see where the bot is from in Campbell River Sunday. Yeah.
Well, Trip, hey, we're pr- we're proud of you, and I'm also proud of the the Carolina Hurricanes because, um, you know, when I did that Mark Parrish story, I remember his biggest stress when he went down to Arizona for rehab was, all right, what's going to happen in my future? Is NHL Network going to stand by me? Am I going to be ever be able to work for the Wild on Valley Sports North? And all these people were there for him at the end of that road. And for the Carolina Hurricanes, for as much equity as you've brought to that organization, um, you've been the face of that franchise on TV forever. And for them to stand by you, I think that says everything about you as a person. And uh, I think we're all proud of you. Thanks, Rose. It says everything about the Carolina Hurricanes uh, that they that they gave me this opportunity that I have every intention to make the very most of and hopefully help others. Trip, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate you being so candid as well. And, and like you said, it's it's all uh, a path to helping other people and helping yourself. So thanks so much. And I think I speak for the entire hockey world when I say great to have you back. Thanks, Rob. Amen. Thanks, Rose. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Trip. Stick around after the break. We'll talk Uber Eats drivers, bromances, and, um, yeah, vasectomies. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to miss it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIP. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, boys, ordinarily we do rapid fire at this uh, portion of the show, but we're going to skip that this week because you both wrote something that I wanted to talk about because I thought they were both awesome, to tell you the truth. I'm going to compliment you guys, and I don't do it often enough. Jesse, we'll start with you. Uh, Your Logan Thompson piece, um, and the intro line just, it hooked me right away, which is, I guess, your job, right? Four years ago, Logan Thompson was sitting on a couch in St. Catharines, Ontario, playing video games and pondering a potential job as a food delivery driver. Uh, I thought this whole thing was great. You know, I love a good feel good story. Uh, I know some people were on Twitter were debating whether it was an underdog story, which was just ridiculous. Um, you know, is this one of those things where you started digging, you started talking, you started hearing things like video games and Uber drivers and you're like, this is a great story. Yeah, it it was. Um, it, this was a fun one. I think we all kind of knew Logan Thompson's path to the NHL was ridiculous. Um, he he played university hockey in in Canada, which 
Um, when he played last year for the Golden Knights, he became the first goalie to start an NHL game after playing college hockey in Canada since 1990, which is seven years before Logan Thompson was born. Um, so we kind of knew that part of it. But then once I started talking to him, it got like, like you said, he just kept giving me better and better stuff. Like he, he I was like, so what, at what point did you like, I know you always believed in yourself because you don't make it to the NHL without believing in yourself, but there had to be points where like you had to start thinking about like, what am I going to do with my life? Like other than playing hockey. And he mentioned, he's like, yeah, I was sitting in my, in my apartment, sitting in my couch, uh, playing video games, drinking beer, doing the college thing. And I was like, man, I need a few bucks. Um, maybe I can drive for Uber eats, but he had a rear wheel drive infinity and it was the middle of winter in Ontario. And he's like, they wouldn't even like, I couldn't even work for Uber eats because the car could not drive on the icy roads. So you literally go from, I can't work for Uber eats to starting goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's a pretty insane story. Um, I got into all the different teams he was cut from. I mean, he he took so many chances on himself. There are a lot of guys that they go to the university level and then you can get like he, he mentioned like the East Coast ECHL, they will give you contracts, but are you going to give up on the, on the schooling part? The, cause he was, cause he was going to school to be a manager. He went, uh, he, he, he mentioned Logan Thompson mentioned Kyle Dubas went to Brock and became a general manager. He, that's the path he saw for himself. I want to be a manager in sports. He gets the ECHL deal offered to him. And like, it's very easily, most guys probably turn that down. They say, yeah, the East coast league doesn't lead to a, a, a long NHL career. I'm just going to, I'm, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do my schooling, get a career. He took that chance and then he got cut from the ECHL. Um, and then he got another chance and he, he took advantage of it. I mean, the guy, he just kept betting on himself and he eventually, I mean, he was the best goalie in the ECHL. Then he finally got up to the AHL. He was the best goalie there last year with all the Golden Knights, crazy injuries. He finally got his opportunity. He played incredible down the stretch for a guy that nobody expected much of. Um, and then obviously the Robin Leonard surgery in the off season um, put him in the starting crease this year. And so far he's been phenomenal. Michael brought it up at the beginning of the show. He got a shutout in the home opener um, last night in Calgary, the Golden Knights, they, they had their first loss, but Logan Thompson was the best player on the ice for either side. I mean, he was just incredible. He made some ridiculous saves. Um, if he's good, I mean, we've all kind of been, I've been saying the Golden Knights are, are down this year. If he's uh, like a good NHL goalie, not just an average starter. Like if he's above average, this team has a chance to be a contender again. I, nobody really expected that, mm -hmm. but he's done a whole lot of things that nobody's expected. So maybe we should start expecting it. Yeah. Be sure to go read that piece. It's just great. Like I said, it almost felt Disney movie. Like, you know what I mean? If you saw this in a movie, you'd go like, Oh, shut up. Like, come on, he's doing this. Right. And he just, he just keeps get bet betting on himself. Suddenly he's in the NHL. And Russo, you, you teased this story at the end of the last show, the Karel Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello romance um and it i think a lot of people a lot of fans don't understand um how important a relationship like this is the mentorships that happen a lot of times in the nhl when you've got a young mm -hmm. superstar and someone else on the team who's been there done that and puts them on the right path every major superstar that i've ever seen has a story of hey when i first came in the league so and so took me under their wing and showed me how to be a professional and that's kind of a lot of what your story was about. Yeah, absolutely. Amico Koiva, when he got here, you know, he looked up to the to the Brian Ralstons of the team and the, you know, the the Nick Schultzes and people like that. And and that's what this is about. You know, Kuro Kaprizov comes to uh, North America. He knows nobody on the wild. He knows no English. And he immediately 
um, you know, uh, developed this relationship with Matt Zuccarello, who's from Norway, that speaks a little Russian because he played during the lockout in 2012-13 in Russia. And so that right away they hit it off. And then, you know, Matt's during this story says, you know, maybe we wouldn't be as good of friends off the ice if we didn't have as good a chemistry on the ice. But they see the game the same way. Um, they sometimes, aggra- sometimes aggravate the coaches because they only look for each other. Um, but it's a really sweet story, too, about Kirill and and just, um, you know, going over to Matt's house all the time for taco dinners and, you know, FaceTiming Matt's every single night to sing lullabies to his daughter. And it's a really sweet story from that standpoint. And um, if you've gotten to, you know, listen to interviews with Kirill Kaprizov or watch him off the ice, he's the most jovial, um, you know, guy around. And, and so this this relationship that they have, uh, it's a true mentor-protege relationship. But but Matt scoffs at that. He says it's more of a brother brotherhood brotherhood and that they're going to be friends for the rest of their lives so it's a really really cool story um and hopefully everybody reads it um you know i will say um you know the logan thompson story is absolutely awesome it reminds me of this feature that i'm going to write on jake middleton at some point on him bricklaying and you know his first year pro and in san jose sleeping in the dining room of a teammate's house and and all this stuff that he's done uh to get to this point to being a millionaire hockey player i probably won't write it right now because i don't think wild fans want to read a fluff piece on a <laughs> a uh, defenseman but, uh, to show you now how much they don't want to read a fluff piece i just got this tweet from a guy named nate that says i'm literally sitting in the recovery room after having a vasectomy and that wasn't as painful as the start of this wild season so um wild fans i don't think are going to want to read that uh jake middleton piece right now but that will come out at some point maybe i'll wait after one victory how the hell am i supposed to transition from vasectomies to like telling people how to subscribe to our podcast you tell me. I know I get paid to be the host of this show, but I have no idea I'm going to do that. But I'm going to try. The athletic so, hockey show. Yeah. Better than a vasectomy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's how we'll do it. All right. Well, I'm going to cut you off there, uh, Russo, and tell everybody uh, how to subscribe to the Athletic Hockey Show uh, because we're on YouTube as well now. Be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and a review. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all your bonus content from our entire network. You start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And this offer still stands. You get the annual subscription for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Athletic Hockey Show continues Thursday with the Mendez and down goes Brown. For Russo, for Jesse, I'm Rob Pizzo. The Roundtable returns next week. We'll see you then.